0: I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... I'm Fred McMurray, which means
1: this
0: must be... I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... We at the Pillars of Franchising team would like to express our gratitude to FeedSpot for listing us as number one in their 2023 list of top 50 franchising podcasts that you should listen to. Thank you from everyone here at Pillars of Franchising.
2: Welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. It looks like Fred, are you yes. up on the screen with us now?
0: Yeah. No. What are we see going
2: on today to get you uh, on screen with
0: us? It's a very, very special day because we have to wish one of our team members happy birthday because they're going to be in a old
3: twenty-seven. Friday. Okay, maybe but Plus 11. I wasn't going to say anything because I learned a long time ago no woman ever hits you for underestimating their age. So, happy
4: birthday!
1: Should we sing?
2: No, no but happy birthday Sarah. Thank you. Oh.
4: I will spare you
2: from all of us uh, okay. and singing. You wouldn't enjoy it. It's not
4: pretty. You took my <laughs> fun away, but okay, that's fine. I, so we got a great- I'm going to mute. A okay. Good
2: idea. So we've got a great episode for you today. We are talking with Scott Mar of Empower Brands, and you may have remembered that we spoke with him back in February. But there's been big change with Wallaby and Koala, so we're going to talk to him.
4: Recording in, in progress. Moments.
2: And first, let's get started with some word on the street, Sarah. All right. So I kind of want to talk about
5: uh, culture. So with your individual business, with looking to get a franchise when i'm going to go buy a franchise i'm going to look at numbers um how the business is doing so i like the employees but i think a big part of it being happy with working in the company is what the culture is like um can you kind of tell me what things i should be looking for like the main things look for in regards to culture when buying a franchise
2: sure i mean some of the big things in most of this you'll find A couple different points, right? When you talk to the franchisor, you'll get a really good feel for what the home office culture is about. And I think that's really important because those are your support people. And you should feel um, a sense of warmth, a sense, sense of team. They should, hopefully, they're telling you how they're just a phone call away, they're super engaged, and they're willing to come out to the field to help you. Those are good signs that they really want the franchisee to succeed. Now, can people say that and not deliver? Sure they can, but typically you don't sign that. Um, but the biggest place that I would also look to, probably more so than anything, is the fellow franchisees. So when you are doing your validation calls, it's really important that you ask those questions. Tell me what your environment's like. How often do you do you meet with other franchisees? What kinds of things do you talk about? You know. Um, do you all feel like you're kind of part of the same company, the same family? Like, for me, right away, they said, oh, my gosh, we're like a big family. We hang out on vacations, even if it's not for the convention. And there were a lot of relationships that were formed. They knew who was having a baby, who may have just lost someone, in their family. It's so very tight-knit. And when you call the validate, they say, oh, did you talk to Tom? He's a great validator, right? He's got all kinds of stories for you. And when you start to feel that warmth and connection with people, I think that's when it's really important. Remember though, back a while ago, we talked about the difference in the type of company that you're looking to join, right? So you have the corporate culture, and then you have more of a family, warm and fuzzy culture. And so depending on what type of company you're interviewing to invest in or what brand you want to buy, it's important to understand if that buttoned-up culture is what you're really looking for if you re- or if you really want to go with something that's a little more family-friendly, um, loose environment, things of that nature.
5: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And just kind of seeing how they talk about each other. Yeah. You know, I mean, It's kind of it, like it, how you talked about
2: your old boss.
5: Are you complaining
2: about them
5: or are you – Sure. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think, and again, you know, we we always say that you're in franchising, um, let me see how it goes, for yourself, but not by yourself, right? And even though that phrase has been overused the last couple of years, it's very, very true. And I will also say that one of the questions I like to ask when I'm validating with a franchise owner is, can you tell me about your employees? So what kind of employees do I need to be prepared to hire, and what kind of turnover do you have, and what are some of the reasons that they leave, right? Because some people leave because they really don't like the work, and some people leave because um, they really don't like their boss. And so I think it's interesting to ask about turnover and ask the different various owners that you talk to, so what do you find your turnover to be like? And Often, based on the conversation you have with them in the validation process, when you get to that turnover question, you can guess right away who has high turnover because they don't like their boss. Yeah. Yeah. That all makes sense, yeah. Yeah. I think those are three good places to start. Great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And as I mentioned today, we'd like to welcome back Scott Marr. Hi, Scott.
3: Hey, how's it going, Kristen?
2: Good and on with me today is the lovely Laura Liss, our legal pro and franchise lawyer. How are you, Laura? So good. How are you? Awesome, awesome. I'm so excited to have Scott on today. Um, as I mentioned, uh, there's been big changes, Scott, with Wallaby Windows and Koala Insulation since February. Would you like to tell us what's been going on over there?
3: Yeah. So, you know, as mentioned on the last uh, last time I was on, we have you know, koala's grown rapidly and koala is now or excuse me, koala has grown rapidly and Wallaby is following right in its footsteps. And uh, we're just uh, we're really starting to expand across the country and um we've been working with Empower Brands now for for shoot going on probably fourteen or fifteen months and uh, just kind of in the background getting to know the folks over there and uh, and we uh, we officially announced our uh, our transaction where we uh, where we merged koala insulation and wallaby windows uh under the uh under the empower brands uh, portfolio so really exciting and uh felt like that uh, we ended you know in uh, in a really good spot with a great partner.
2: that's awesome. you know when did you finally seal that deal
3: uh last month in April
2: <laughs> awesome good well, congratulations to you and I'm so excited that you are the guy we got to interview today, not only because we already have a rapport with you, but I want to talk a little bit about that transition, not only for you as a founder and CEO, franchisor, but for the people like me who are franchisees and some of the transitions that they go through um, when a company, in your case, it's a merger, right? Correct. And can you explain a little bit to our audience the difference between um, being a merger versus being um, maybe bought out and, and brought into a umbrella company, as we're calling them?
3: Yeah, great question. It's, um, you know, technically speaking, it's, uh, fr- from a legal standpoint, it's very similar. Uh, but, you know, from from that uh, side of things, it's it's not a whole lot different. But uh, for what it means for the folks in the organization, both the you know the franchise partners and the uh, you know the team members at the head office, um, it, it can mean a a great deal of difference uh, or, or feel a great deal of difference uh, mm-hmm. to those folks. Um, you know the main difference there is that uh, you know we didn't just you know sell the brands and you know plan to to walk away from the business after you know two or three months or whatever the transition period you know, look like. Um, sure. In this instance, you know, I'm not planning to go anywhere from Empower Brands. Uh, you know, I'm a shareholder of Empower Brands. I'm serving on the, uh, I serve as the chief incubation officer for Empower Brands now. So I'm on the senior leadership team. Okay. And, uh, and so really what it means is, uh, is, you know, we're still going to be able to, you know, support our franchise partners and our team members, you um, that that means that both of those uh, you know both of those groups of folks are going to have opportunities to continue to grow and uh, scale. So um, yeah, so that's probably the biggest uh, the biggest difference you know between the two.
2: Did you have any um, concerns at all from your franchisees about what this would mean and what this looks like for them now that the brand has I'll call it evolved sort of.
3: Yeah, I think naturally, uh, you know, there, people have had bad experiences in the past with, you know, with mergers and acquisitions. And so, um, you know, just understanding that the team that they, uh, you know, became accustomed to working with is still going to be supporting them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and and myself as the, you know, the founder um, and, and really the brand innovator behind both of these brands is not going anywhere. Um, I think that's probably, the, you know, the biggest thing that we, you know, that we wanted to focus on with our franchise partners, so.
5: Yeah, I think that that is, it's one of the questions I wanted to touch on because, um, you know, franchisees get accustomed to, you know, whomever in the franchise or they go to for support, right? You know, they know that they have a good relationship, you know, with Linda or whomever, and they want to talk, you know, and then sometimes when franchise brands, you know, join with others, right, you know, there is synergy. Um, There is a cost savings, which is not bad, but sometimes we don't always get to keep Linda. Um, So it is great to hear that you guys are keeping your team in place.
3: Yeah. And that's really one of the main reasons why I, you know, I I specifically wanted to work with Empower. Um, You know, we had many opportunities to partner with other groups, Um, but Empower's young. They're entrepreneurial. They're in growth mode. And you know, as as such, um, you know, they're not looking at you know cutting cost. They're looking at how can we, you know, if you already have great people in the organization, you know, yes, there is a shared services division that does a whole plethora of of you know services for the franchise partners. Well, maybe if we don't need a, a you know Linda in accounting any more specifically for Koala, how can Linda be leveraged in the broader organization? Whereas with some of the older, you know, more mature aggregators, um, you know, perhaps they, you know, they they don't need that extra seat. And so costs become, uh, you know, a, a, a bigger focus um, after mm-hmm. the, you know, the acquisition's done and the dust is settled,
0: so to speak.
5: Yeah, I think we see that with um, with the private equity acquisitions in particular. Um, but what were you going to say, Christian?
2: Well, I, and that's kind of I was I was going to ask him because there is a lot of private equity playing the game out there right now, and I'm sure a lot of people approached you about merging or being acquired. What made you decide that you needed to do that? Why didn't you just keep on keeping on?
3: Yeah, that's a uh, I could talk on that on that single point probably <laughs> for. Uh, for a few hours um, you know but um,
2: okay we'll say the top two reasons
3: <laughs> yeah well, you know the biggest reason is uh, you know I, I believe in the brands that we've built um, but as an entrepreneur as a founder so much of, of you know my personal net worth and income was derived from the business and one really follows the other Mm-hmm. And so obviously the, you know, the more income a, a brand generates, then the, the the more enterprise value it it has. And um, I, when I set out, when I started Koala and I, and I set out to, you know, to become one of the largest insulation contractors in the country, I had a number in mind. And I said, whenever we hit that number, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to roll on. Well. Ultimately, we doubled that number, and I just said, okay i don't I don't want to be you know I don't want to be greedy here because the old saying of you know pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered um, <laughs> and so I just felt like um even though I believed in the brands uh you know I, I just felt like that um you know there was a really good opportunity for you know for for us uh, you know me personally and and my family. Um, but also our franchise partners, right? So I've grown brands to, you know, to, to a good size and scale. And that's really what I've done in my career is is build brands. I felt like we were starting to hit a point where I was having a lot of questions about where do we go from here? Yeah. What does franchise support look like at a system with, you know, 100-plus franchise partners um, and, and growing, still growing rapidly? Sure. And I just I just felt like there was there was some opportunity there for us to provide you know better support, mm-hmm. uh, and so ultimately I just recognized that uh, you know put, putting our franchisees first and saying maybe there's a maybe there's a better path.
2: Well, what was the one thing that Empower had or did that made you choose them instead of all the others out there? Aside from money, I'm sure that that played into it as well, but. What would be the one driving factor if you have to say?
3: yeah, um, so well I'll touch on just money just very, very briefly um, so empower they they didn't have the the highest offer, so to speak um, but what I saw in empower um longer term was was uh, was just so much better um, felt like that i you know that there would be a home for me. Uh, on the team. I think it goes back to what I was saying before is, is, you know, what Empower has is they're, they're, they're young, they're entrepreneurial and they're growing. They have a very large shared services support division and some of the brands in the platform are 20 and 30 years old. So there's a lot of knowledge there that, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is well beyond, you know, my years. So, um, yeah, I think the, the the biggest thing was just the you know the shared services and the and the support that they offer you know their franchisees.
5: I might I might jump in and say that that ties nicely to our our prior word on the street topic. It sounds a lot like culture.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are your franchisees doing in this? And I know that obviously you're going to you know p- kind of paint it from your point of view, and that's what you have to do, but some of the, the their own word on the street or the chit-chat, what are you hearing from your franchisees? Do they feel like this is a smooth transition and good for them or are they still in that learning curve trying to see the huge benefits that will eventually come?
3: Yeah, really, so, so one of the things that I appreciate about the transition so far with Empower is they've not wanted to change anything like on their own. They're coming to us you know, and saying, hey, where do you feel like you need help? Where do you need support? And and then that's where they're you know they're ultimately plugging themselves in and supporting right. us. So it's been it's been really uh, you know from that standpoint at least it's been really great. Um, uh-huh. Then there another you know acquisition merger you know situation where that wasn't the case and things just got changed for the sake of change. And because it's how it's always been done.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, You know, there's been some things change, right? Bank accounts have changed, you know, payroll service providers have changed because it just, it it has to, um, because there's a, you know, there's, there's, there's one, you know, system in place. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. all the easy stuff. It's the stuff that's really impactful and, and, you know, uh, you know, impactful to the, to the franchise partners and the daily operations of their business that, you know, that caused me the angst. And that hasn't uh, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I was I'm, gonna say that, sorry. and that just hasn't you know that hasn't been the case with empower, so I appreciate awesome. that a lot,
2: so Laura, I, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, oh my gosh, what if I buy into this brand and they have a merger or acquisition? What happens to all the agreements that I signed? What happens to my fees? Can you talk a little bit on a legal perspective? What happens when a franchisee goes through this?
5: Yeah, I mean, because it is fairly common, right? You know, I mean, most people who start businesses, especially if, if, the, if you're looking at buying a business that is, you know, the franchise is still run by the founder, um, you know, something to have in the back of your mind is that that founder is eventually going to want to think about an exit strategy, right? Um, it doesn't mean that they have to be, you know, more senior, you know, like, Scott is, you know, still going to stay with the brand, but he wanted an exit strategy, right?
1: Sure.
5: Um, So, you know, the contract itself will stay in place, right? There is no need to have anything change with the contract. Um, okay. That being said, you know, in this situation that where Scott is describing, you know, it sounds like everything is pretty much stayed status quo, right, for the franchisees. Um, in some situations, right? there can be things where, you know, the franchise agreement may have uh, had language in it, right, that permitted the franchisor to do things that it wasn't currently doing. Yeah, Um, it had not imposed certain fees, but it always had the right to, it had not, you know, forced people to, you know, do remodeling, but, you know, now that we have a new owner in place, you know, new franchisor owner, we're going to exercise that. Um, So, you know, those are things that can happen, right? It's still the same contract, but, Mm -hmm. you know, if someone's reading it with a different pair of glasses, (laughs) it may not be Uh quite as rosy. Um, So that's something to think about, you know, and and if it is a a different type, um, you know, a different type of acquisition, right? There can be ones where one franchisor actually buys another one, and then all the franchisees of the the target brand they have to go and rebrand right so if you used to be you know whatever brand you know you were you know abc restaurant or abc roofing you are now xyz roofing and those costs to rebrand like you know buying new signage rewrapping your vehicles redoing your marketing materials anything that has the brand on it right that you paid for whatever in the past Yep. now you have to go ahead and transition that um, you know and the better franchisors when you know they're doing that if that's happening to their franchisees they will try to usually negotiate something that's a, like a credit for the franchisees to have some kind of you know at least something that you know they don't have to pay all of it right yeah
2: it's not their fault.
5: um there's well, kind
2: of, some of those changes are costly i mean you talk about they are wraps, right and i have yeah. a fleet of 15 cars and then all of a sudden and we since our acquisition, two of them, mm-hmm. every acquisition comes with one or two new revised sets of logos. And I'm like, listen, that's like 1500 bucks a car. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't budget that. And so, and that's just a tip of some of the things that can be. Yeah, change. exactly. And that's,
5: you know, imagine if you had a business that not only had all the vehicles, right? But you also had exterior signage, which can easily be, you know, 8000 yeah. for multiple signs. Um, so, you know, it can be a significant expense. I mean, I can remember, and it's not in the context of an acquisition, but I can remember when, um, you know, KFC went from all their signs, literally just saying the letters KFC. Mm-hmm. to They decided that they were going to really put on their signs, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right? Yeah. And all the franchisees had to go and buy me signs. You know this was expensive um and then i don't know probably like five years later they were like hmm you know kfc was actually really dark we're gonna go back
2: to that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah and
5: that was that was very frustrating for their franchisees because yeah. they're stuck in the middle um and yeah. that's not a criticism right you know the brand has to evolve they have to do you know they have to try new things um, right not like always the bad thing but um you know it's the ones you know you're you're getting the same agreement if there is some kind of acquisition of your franchisor but there still may be things that slow down that change
1: yeah
2: scott for you um what you know obviously i, I would think are your franchisees going to um benefit greatly in some technologies and things of that matter that the other brands under empower have
3: yeah good question um i, I don't think from that standpoint i don't think like technology is on the table to to be changed we have and and had really from the inception really wonderful technology at koala and wallaby uh-huh. um, so so in some in some respects some of our technology is actually going to be used in other empower brands
1: yeah so, that's great uh,
3: so we're excited about that but one of the things you were mentioning Laura, a moment ago is is really uh, you know, that was one of the things that I did some due diligence on Empower when I was going through the process. It was very much a mutual, when you have options, and, and thankfully I had <laughs> options, when you have options, you can you can do some, uh, some reverse due diligence. Um, and so I did that. And, you know, I said, hey, you know, have you guys ever, you know, raised royalty fees on any of your brands post-acquisition? No, never, not one. It hasn't even been contemplated. No. Uh, you know that that sort of thing was really important to me uh, to understand. You know the culture of empower. Uh, I also did some investigation. Tell me about your lawsuits. What what lawsuits do you have? You know both. You know pending, threatened, or active. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very pleased to you know to see under the hood, so to speak. Um, so I did a lot of due diligence. I had a I had a list probably of about twenty five items. Um, That I kind of went through and and ticked off the box. So, uh, you know, that, that was that was something that was just super important.
2: Yeah,
5: because in your position, right, it's a little different from, you know, what our audience would be in. But you're not, you know, in that transaction, you are not only a seller, but you're also a buyer because you took equity in their company. You, you may have gotten some kind of cash. We don't have to talk about that. But oh you took a stake in their company you're buying. So you need to know what their litigation is. You need to know all of
2: these yeah. things is this what those are now those are now risks to your assets. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: So let's talk about, you know, you had a growth strategy before the merger. Now you've got this big merger. What does your growth strategy look like for that five or ten years for your brand?
3: Yeah. So um so I, I took a role, an interesting role. So I mentioned it um, on this call already. Um, the chief incubation officer role. It's um, it's probably a, a, a title that most people have never heard of before. Um, but it's uh, it's really what I've done. You know, my entire career to this point is is uh, is incubating and and, and building brands. Uh, and so I get to do that for you know for Empowered Now. Um, and 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 continue to you know to do what I enjoy most as an entrepreneur, and that is you know build new concepts out and see through uh, you know a a just a vision to you know to reality into a working system. So uh, I'm still going to be involved with uh, with both Koala and Wallaby for you know for some time, and they'll always be near and dear to me, of course. Uh, because you know, I I, I birthed him, birthed yeah. him, so to speak. <laughs> um, but um, uh, you know, we're we're you know in the process of putting a brand president in place, and uh, and we're going to continue on. So Koala still has a ton of white space available for you know for new territory development. Uh, Wallaby has has even substantially more. Um, you know we're pushing forward with national accounts programs uh, for you know for both uh, koala and wallaby and we're we're gaining some substantial momentum uh, with um, you know with with that um, so you know franchise partners are still going to you know to grow their you know their business you know their revenue and and thus their bottom line and and at the end of the day I mean both of these brands are still very young and yeah. uh, and by you know, by a lot of respects, they're they're both still nascent concepts, so sure. the growth is, uh, you know, is still abundant.
2: Well, I think the one thing that um for the people who are thinking, oh my gosh, I just don't know what this looks like, it's great that now if you have somebody who has a Wallaby and maybe maybe the insulation isn't exactly what they want, now they've got is it nine other brands that they could choose from. They will all be in the Empower brand, and they can build their own little investment package, right, which I think is really cool. I mean, a lot of people get into franchising, and they own one, and then like Jerry, you know, he's got the, the Great Clips, and then he's sought out yet another industry with the joint chiropractic, and that's what I think are really cool with some of these umbrella companies.
3: Absolutely, and another thing that you mentioned too earlier, Laura, about um, you know franchise agreements and and you know okay we've had this change now what does that mean for me as a as a franchisee? Um, you know I I've probably at every single um, we call it confirmation day but a lot of people refer to it as discovery day
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, at almost every one of those events. I always get the question from multiple people, what does your exit strategy look like? When is that going to happen? And I am very open, very forthright, and I say it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, and you need to understand that this agreement is this agreement. You need to be comfortable with it, whether I'm on the other side of it or someone else. And if you're not, then you probably ought not sign it.
5: Right. And that's a big thing that we talk about when I work with clients that are, you know, buying a new franchise. Um, when we do the review of the FDD, is, you know, you may feel very comfortable, you know, if you brought up a question to one of the representatives, you know, someone like you or a salesperson, whatever, and they said, Oh, you know, that's in there, but we never do that or, you know, whatever. And I usually think of that, I'm like, that just means we're not doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> if it's in there, you do know that, you know they allowed it to be in there, right? You know, I mean, I write FDDs as well as review them for clients, for franchisees, and,
3: um,
2: you know, everything is in there for a reason. Absolutely. Well, I really hope that um, this works out really well for you. I'm glad to hear that everybody so far. Having you at the helm with the rest of the Empower group is fantastic news, and I think you'll really be able to support the culture that. I mean, really, you're a true entrepreneur, right? I mean, you started these companies, and I love how you said it's like you gave birth to them, because that's what people who buy into your brand want to hear, is that you're just sure. that committed. So congratulations to you, really. I'm so excited, and I know with the entrepreneurial spirit you have, there's probably another brand that you're ready to build in your head. <laughs> that's you incubating.
5: And that's it. <laughs> You've got little well, sticks
2: under the light. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. We're very excited to have you on today and I can't wait to have you back and see how this journey goes for you and uh super excited, Scott. Thank you so much for coming and talking with us again today.
3: Thank you for having me on. Thank
4: you. Hey, franchise owners, how's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at WestBind.com. That's 805-265-5440 or WestBind with a Y dot com.
2: Ah, welcome back. It looks like Jerry must be at the
0: lake. Jerry is at the lake and it was golf day in kindergarten today. So you get me dressed like this.
2: You know what? It's the life of a franchisee.
0: It is. It is. You know, you work. I was just working while I was waiting to come on and uh-huh. you work when you have to and you get your stuff done and you can still come and go as you please.
2: That's awesome. It's so great. And, you know, that's the one thing that a lot of people look for, right, in franchising is they want that balance. So congratulations that you
0: found it, Jerry. Yeah, it's great. And I wanted to add, isn't Scott a great interview? Man, what a great person to have in the leadership position in a franchisor, because as a franchisee or a prospective franchisee, he just exudes confidence and He's so informative and straightforward. There's no hidden agendas. I mean, we need more of that in franchising, don't we?
2: Yeah, we sure do. It's funny because we actually had this very similar conversation about him after the last show and what a great leader he seemed to be. So I'm really excited. I think, you know, I'm not sure who's going to make out better, Empower Brands having him or him having Empower Brands.
0: Yeah, I, if, I think probably they're both going to do quite well. I think it's a kind of a match made in heaven, so best of luck
1: to yeah, both sides.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that kind of leads into the subject for today, right, is culture between franchisees and franchisors. Absolutely. Because I deal uh, and help sort out so many negative situations between franchisors and franchisees. And in almost every case, it's communication, and uh, some performance issues that were maybe not um, explained or covered correctly or something like that, and it's unnecessary. So, you know, finding a – if you're a prospective franchisee, finding a franchise or that you're comfortable with the, you know, the culture uh, when you're uh, in Discovery Day and your work or you're doing your validation calls, uh, make sure that you're covering what that culture feels like because – That's your future. That's the area you're going to live in for the next X number of years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point. And, you know, kind of back to what Sarah had asked is when you're in that process of looking, what are some of the ways that you can identify that? And, you know, I don't know about you, but not only do I find the conversations to be telling, but like you said, when they do their discovery day or I, I think you said can con, um, confirmation day confirmation. So in my head, I heard concession.
0: <laughs> well, maybe.
2: <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> but when they go do their uh, discovery day, I mean, then you get the overall being right. You can hear them, you can see them. Are they looking you in the eye? Are they warm and welcoming? And I mean, that particular step in the process really should seal the deal for you. By the time I agree. I mean, by the time you get to Discovery Day, all your paperwork should be in order, your, your business plan has been written, all your projections have been done, and then you're just making sure that you're ready to be married.
0: Yeah, and really, you've got, the, you've got two very good tools to figure out what culture is like uh, with validation calls and Discovery Day, because in validation calls, I coach people to ask really tough questions. You know, ask about the worst day that franchisee has ever had dealing with people from, from the franchise door because you want to hear those stories because you might have a day like that in your future. So you ask about those things. You ask them to explain how it was res- was resolved and, and if they were happy with how it came out or if, they, if nothing else, if they understood why it went that way. You know, so you've got that side. And then when you're in those uh, discovery days, as you pointed out, being able to sit in front of those uh, vice presidents of real estate, and marketing, and whatever it might happen to be, listen to their presentation, read their body language, and by the way, have a prepared list of yeah. tough questions for their category. Because frankly, between us, I want to push their buttons. I'm not going to be mean, but I want them to. I want them to walk away thinking, man, you know, that guy asked tough questions. He made me dance a little bit around, and and he really dug in because I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars with this brand. I want to know what that culture is going to be like moving forward because when I run into trouble as a franchisee, I want to know who to reach out to, what kind of a relationship we're going to have, how they're going to solve the problem, are they going to be supportive of me, you know, those kinds of things.
2: Yeah, well, I think when a franchisor is thinking about how they're going to build a, a culture and how they're going to support their franchisees or franchise partners, it's really important that when they place some people call them franchise business coaches, some of them call them field support, whoever those people from the franchisor are. They're going to go out to the field, to the various locations, and work one-on-one. Like you said, you said the, the worst day you've ever had. Well, not only should your hopefully franchise neighbors help you, but there should also be somebody that backs you at the franchise or that says, hey, listen, don't worry. We've had a three-car up before. I mean, I remember my first week, my office person drove one new car into two of my other new cars and took off all of the uh, side-view mirrors. I mean, things like that are going to happen, right? And so if you have someone to plug into and say, oh, my God, I feel like the sky is falling, it it really does help. So what other things do you think are important to think about, Jerry, for a franchisee, franchisor, having that same culture?
0: Well, I think what you just pointed out is one of the biggest things. And, you know, knowing who to talk to about specific issues that you run into as a franchisee and who might be responsible at the corporate level and what that person is like, Because, first off, when I talk to prospective franchisees or franchisees who uh, are in uh, a situation where they need an answer from corporate, and they say, I don't know who to talk to at corporate about this, we got a problem. Because if they've done their due diligence through the validation calls and discovery day, they should have a pretty good idea about who to start with on that specific subject. So understanding who the players are understanding, uh, you know, how you're going to get answers, understanding, uh, and I'll just be blunt about it, are they going to treat you with respect or yeah. like you're, you know, the first idiot that walked in off of the plane and put down a few hundred thousand dollars? Because sure. if you don't have a culture, a, a help supportive type culture from the franchisor level, you're yeah. going to run into problems. But we also have to remember, this is a two-way street. So many franchisees, believe that the franchisor is their go-to for everything in the world, and they lose track of the fact they're running their own business. Right. Many of the results they get, both positive and negative, are more reflective of their efforts and their organization than the franchisors. So when we talk about culture between a franchisee and a franchisor, it is the two of them working together to build that culture. And frankly, every franchisee is going to have a slightly different relationship with their or.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's um a really good point. And I think sometimes, well, there's two points that you made and, and one I would say, you know, for for Scott and his team, as you continue to grow and you bring on other resources from Empower, you know, our my brand is a great example of how we got big, 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 big and now there are things that I go, I don't even know how to get a hold of that person. And I've got eight systems to go in to find out Whether it's my statistics or it's marketing, I don't know where I'm going for what. And so I think as brands grow and you become part of a bigger group, it's really important, that communication. So hopefully that goes really well with them, and I'm sure that it will because he's going to be so involved in it. But, um, yeah, Jerry, I think you bring up a really great point.
0: I don't. I don't, frankly, see Scott allowing that to happen in his organization because uh, he knows what that's like. And I think it's critical, uh, again, as you said, when an organization is growing, that they introduce new members of their team to the franchisee community, that they explain what their role is. Uh, Frankly, when I get an email like that, I want to know if I should call this person or the old person that I used to talk to, if they're still there. Um, sure. And frankly, when you own more than one brand, or even if you just work with franchisees in multiple brands, you kind of become, you know, um, the worst, uh, the worst horror story for some of those franchise or representatives. Because yeah. my people hate it when I say, you know, uh, VP of real estate. You know, my other brand does it this way, and it's way more, uh, you know, (laughs) user-friendly. It's a better system. You may want to think about researching it and seeing what you can do to adjust because your system is not what I expect it to be. And, frankly, I pay your bills, so I need a little help understanding why we're in this situation.
2: Right, exactly. And I think that's good. And, you know, that's a, a unique advantage to having multiple brands is that you can use them in that way. The point is, if you're under the same umbrella with two brands, you know exactly what you're going to get.
0: Absolutely. And you many times have somebody up the corporate ladder in those two or three brands who, if you fail everywhere else, you can text or email them and say, I'm struggling. Who should I talk to? Can you connect me? Whatever the situation is.
2: Excellent. Jerry, thank you so much on your perspective of how franchisees and franchisor culture is so important in franchising. Franchise, franchise, franchise. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and It's been a pleasure. Everybody have a great week.
2: You too. We'll talk to you next week, Jerry. What are the top three reasons that you should tune in to solicit franchising? One, franchise advice from a million-dollar mentoring team. And two, about interviews from franchise professionals and influencers. And number three, about getting some professional tips on buying, growing, and executing your franchise. Join us on Fuller's Franchising to learn about the secrets of franchising success. You can find us at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time wherever you listen
1: to your podcast. Hey,
6: Karen. Hello. Well, wow, lots of talk about culture. Yeah, that's like yeah, one you of know, your favorite, yeah, things. My favorite
2: topic. Yeah. Well, we've got Sarah and Jerry on there, but I'm sure Fred will get that fixed right away. <laughs> 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 so let's talk a little bit about it. What do you, what's your take on all this stuff? Like, how does culture come right down to the bottom
6: line? And you're yeah, thinking a lot about that because, you know, we had a lot of examples. I loved all the examples that Scott and Jerry talked about. Uh-huh. And, and still, even in talking about all these different examples, there there's some people, I wouldn't call it that they're, they're not believers, but a lot uh-huh. of times people that are very bottom line people, you know, they're like, okay, well, what does this really mean financially? You can talk yeah. about all that stuff, but what does it mean financially? And, and it's really about strong culture can truly have a significant impact on, I mean, like on a franchise, on, on their profitability, on their growth. Sure. And it's getting people to see some of the key areas. Uh-huh. Of, of, of how how it impacts franchise to franchise. You've got to take a look at the franchisor or the franchisee. And even if it's a franchisee, how am I actually building my franchise as well and some key things to focus on.
2: Sure. So tell me what are some of those things then, if you were advising a franchisor, how, how to do that and, and tie the culture back to the bottom line?
6: Right. So there are three different key areas that I take a look at. And I'm sure there are more than that, but here's mm-hmm. kind of three top ones. First of all, we've talked a lot about it. It's about our talent, it's about our employees, right? It's about the people side. And strong cultures actually can can help attract the right people. And it's like a magnet. Right? If you've got that strong where you can get people that really align to your to your vision, to your goals, and it can, you know, so then what happens is when you've got that purpose and the values and you get these great people that are just they're attracted to you and they're yeah. attracted to that vision, that's going to have, if you think about it, it's going to be an easier way where you can hire people. You're also going to be able to meet people. And so then it's going to reduce the turnover. All that's directly tied to bottom line. Excellent. I'm taking notes. Okay. So the (laughs) the second one is I call it enhanced customer experience. And, again, you know, we were talking a lot about that. If you think about franchisee experience, Sure. You know, you could you could even say as a franchise as a franchisee to your customers. Yeah, for sure. Really focusing a strong a strong culture actually emphasizes customer centric. Yeah, you're alluded well, a lot to that. Where it's how can you be customer centric? How do you embody values? How do you respond to people?
1: Mm-hmm.
6: How you know? How do you even respond respond to each other? What does that customer service look like? And even like what you're saying about customers. Oh yeah, that's how you're treating sure. them, how you're, how you're, how you're. Th- I think that's that whole experience, that loyalty. It breeds loyalty, then, right? Yeah, so you absolutely. Think about, it breeds loyalty of our customers. You're going to have more repeat customers, uh-huh. so you're not going to spend as much money on continue to get more and more and more customers. You're going to do that, but you're also going to have uh, the repeat customers as well. Sure. You're going to see an increase in your sales and your revenue because if you think about it, word's going to get out. It's right. how you treat other people. Um, you always think about your like your Google reviews, right? Uh-huh. People yeah. look at that now. So the more yeah. you have that, the more then you're going to see that increase in your sales and your revenue.
2: So you're talking directly about driving sales mm-hmm. and the cost per acquisition per customer. Absolutely, right? And and that's something that's very controllable, right? It's about having the right the the right message, the right marketing, and really the right culture drives a lot of what that message is.
6: Absolutely. And, and even, you know, you talk about the message and even when someone, you know, if you're, no matter what it is, when you're dealing with customers, how are you treating them? Right. How are, yes. how are you, how are you dealing with them? All that kind of, it trickles down.
2: Sure. Well, as simple as how you answer the phone, right. When, when someone answers the phone, does it sound like you're interrupting them? Right. Or is it like a welcome mat? Hey, how, you know, it's totally different uh, how your customer reacts and feels about the experience based right. on something so simple. Well, it's funny because Jerry
6: was talking about, you know, so his, a lot of his examples were, which appropriate, were even dealing with um, conflict. Yeah. Right? And if you think about it, you sometimes you can win over customers when there's been a conflict situation. Yeah. And so sure. it's how you deal with that and what's that story of how, 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 that, um,
2: how you overcame that and then their customers for life. And don't you find, one thing I find that's interesting, and, and, you know, Jerry brought this up about what are the things that you go to your franchisor for and what are the things that you go, you know, outside maybe to your lawyer, to your accountant. The one thing that I would say um, I think more franchisors need to work on maybe is some of the soft skills that if you're in a corporate situation, you would have HR training, right? Yeah. As a franchise owner and as small business, there isn't a lot of, stuff out there that says, you know, like, you think about the different conflicts you're going to have, well, all of the franchisees of the same brand may indeed have the same type of conflicts, the same type of, of challenges. So right. why not come up with some objections and how to overcome them? Agreed. Agreed. You know? So, and I think camaraderie, really, when, as you're talking about this, right? We know it drives sales. We know it drives down the cost per customer for acquisition. But creating that sense of camaraderie within the brand seems like that would also really help the communication.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. Did we hit your third point? I did not. And the third one is kind of, it's a little unusual because, you know, the the ones you're like, yeah, okay, customers, you know, your employees. The third one is actually a strong, having a strong culture actually can can result in cost savings. OK, ah, so yes. think, think about that, because if you, have a strong, about if you have a strong culture, sometimes employees, not all the time, but sometimes employees will make sure they're making the right decisions. It's not like, screw the company, but yes. it's like I want to make the right decisions. I want to do the right things. There's more of a, a willingness to do that. Uh-huh. If you think about that, how that can impact, you know, customers, it can impact even um, showing up absentee sure. absenteeism right because if they're they're like no i care i don't want to just call in sick yeah so they're much they're much more they're much more connected it also you can see it a decrease in healthcare costs. costs yes. because they're yes. happier they're connected in so that okay. that is a result of having a positive a positive culture and relating to cost savings
2: i think those are all very good points they're all very doable i don't think anybody couldn't deliver on those things and you know it's funny because when we have this so, it's always about communication. All of the things kind of center around that, right? right? I mean, so much of it could be solved in in just simple communication, but people just don't know how to do it. They do not. That's why that's why I'm in business forever and ever, right? It's it's the ever-ending communication. Well, thank you, Karen, so much. I'm so glad you were able to give us some um, some things that would really help. And again, you know, driving the bottom line, we always want to do that. And um, anything that can get tied back, simple tasks, simple things that you can do to really affect your bottom line, that's what we're trying to tie all this stuff to. So, you know, it's not just a warm and fuzzy thing. It's really about making a difference for you yeah. and your employees and the bottom line. So Ken, thank you so much. We we'll look forward to seeing from seeing and hearing from you again next week. Have a wonderful okay. Memorial Day weekend. You
0: too. Thanks. Fifty graduates, resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands. More than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com.
2: And I'm so glad we got to sneak in that video of Dr. John Hayes down at the Titus Center for Franchising. As you know, they're a great partner of ours. And today we'd like to thank all of you for joining us on the show. As always, thank you to Scott Marr with Empower Brand. So excited to see that Wallaby uh, Windows and Coal Insulation have joined um, yet a bigger team of great entrepreneurial people to really drive that brand. We appreciate our Million Dollar Mentors, Jerry Akers, Andrea Mundy, Ray Killer, Karen Kimsey-Sword for their continued commitment and insight. Thank you to Laura List, our franchise lawyer. And last but not least, a shout-out thanks to our producer, Fred McMurray. I am Kristen Shelmethy, your fourth franchising mentor. Excuse me, I don't think I ever get through this. And together, we are your resource for franchising success. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great
0: week. Wow, (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow. Wow, wow. Wow, la